0: During this episode at Disconnection, we will be speaking to Chris Hamill, who will share with us real and relatable stories covering a range of topics from his unique perspective. Chris, how are you doing today? I can't complain. Thanks for having me, guys. We're so happy to have you on the show. Chris, Chris, do you think you could tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do?
1: Well, in a nutshell, I work. My day job is working at SiriusXM Satellite Radio, and I also freelance audio production and... uh, I don't want to say veteran podcaster, but I've been 10 plus years I've been podcasting here and there. I'd call that veteran, that's
2: experience, yeah, especially compared to us who have, you know, a couple of months on this.
1: I just want to like somehow inflate my my ego a little bit, say veteran like saying I'm above people <laughs> <laughs> nah. We'll puff it up for you too, yeah. don't worry. I know, pump, uh, pump, but pump. like 10 plus years I've been podcasting here and there, various projects, working with various people and uh, yeah, I've been involved with media for the past I want to say 10
0: years, a little over 10 years now. Time flies. That is awesome, man. I was checking out uh, your YouTube page. I checked out your website a little bit. <laughs> I actually love The outdated it. website um, that I need to desperately remodel. You got to do what you got to do. But uh, the thing I saw on your uh, YouTube page, and I wish you did more of these because this was great, was new reviews for old movies. That was actually a throwaway. Like, that was a throwaway video
1: for to satisfy a couple of my friends because uh, on my, one of my old shows, there was a running gag that I've never seen a lot of classic movies, like movies where you would say like, oh my God, like you've never seen The Godfather, which right. I totally have by the way, but like <laughs> like Demolition Man, the, the Good, The Bad, and The Ugly, all like RoboCop, like only oh, a few years ago, I saw the original RoboCop for the first time. So it was a running gag on the show where we compiled a list of 100 classic movies I've never seen. And I've always had the list of movies where everyone would look at it and it's somewhere down the line, I'm like, wait for it, wait for it. You've never fucking seen this? Like, <laughs> So that was basically a throwaway movie. And one of my friends was – um, one of my friends made the suggestion, oh, you should totally make a new review for, like, movies that everyone knows. So, like, you've seen it for the first time. So is it still good or are we just, you know, brainwashed with nostalgia? Right. And the first one was Demolition Man. And I've been meaning to make a new one for Fargo because I haven't seen that one. And – I got I It's just a lot of time I'm spent. A lot of time is spent doing a lot of other things other than making videos. And you guys know, for making videos and projects and all that stuff, it takes so much time and effort to do it. And I'm mm-hmm. like a one man band here, so. Right. Um, I got to start making more of those, but I'm glad you guys liked it. Everyone I've
0: showed the uh, the video to, they've all have been really positive about it. Was it was fun. Yeah, man. I had some good laughter. I was wondering, <laughs> what was that Dennis Leary quote from? Do you know what I'm talking about? Oh, well, mm-hmm. his, you that? he really, one of his first albums, he did a song called Asshole.
1: And <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> basically how, if you wanted to take like how people react on YouTube comments these days and just put into song form, that was Dennis Leary in the, like the mid-90s. Oh, so. my God. Like, and in Demolition Man, there's when you first get to know him, he was like, I just want like uh, Styrofoam cheeseburgers and all that stuff. I want to like pollute the earth or whatever. And I'm like, oh, I remember hearing that before in his asshole song. And it was right around the time where that album came out. So I'm like, oh, I see what you did there, Dennis. First, you take uh, uh, Bill Hicks' act and now,
0: now you're rehashing your own stuff. That's that's great, Dennis. Yeah, it was, that was an interesting cut. I <laughs> found it very funny too. It was just funny watching Leary even pound out that line. But uh, all right, so you've done a few videos on your YouTube page. How did you, I know you work at SiriusXM right now, right? Right. How did some of your audio engineering work and some of these YouTubes that you've done lead into your job at SiriusXM? It was a happy
1: accident, honestly. Um, growing up <clears throat> in high school, I actually wanted to be a police detective. Which oh, wow. is kind of like way out of left field how I got involved with media. It was like, like when you grow up and you take those personality tests and they determine like what career is supposed to be. Every single time I took one of those, it was police detectives, specifically <laughs> homicide.
0: And he's wearing a Batman shirt right yeah, now.
1: Exactly. Guys. Like world's greatest detective. So, yeah. you know, ha. um, every, every personality test I took, I, it said that I meant to be a police officer or detective or something. Cause I'm very attention to my attention to details, mm-hmm. like almost OCD. Like I have, I like to review facts when I research anything. I like to be very like detail oriented and, I went to school for the first time after graduating high school in in what 2004 and I got involved with the college radio station and I was like fuck being a police officer like this is awesome like mm-hmm. I have a sure I have a direct path to be a police officer you know get involved with uh the police force and uh make a great living being a cop and I want to get involved in radio? Like, no one's, no one wants to get involved with radio. Like, no one these days wants to get involved with radio because the job market is just so cutthroat and so competitive. It's like, it's, it's the fucking Hunger Games to get a job in radio. Right. And, um, I, but I loved it. I fell in love with it the first time I popped on a microphone and played, like, my first song, like, doing my first metal show. And that was in the fall of 2004. And since then, I've been like, it's it's been a landslide, honestly, of just like satisfaction and just constant chasing of a goal. Mm-hmm. And now I'm finally at a point where I'm making decent money doing something I love. And uh, it, it all started with a happy accident. Like I met a few of my best friends at the college radio station, I got involved with it. And um, yeah, it's, it's been a roller coaster since then of many ups and many downs. What was
2: the uh, college radio uh, show like about originally? It was just me playing most of the music that I
1: liked. I liked a lot of Scandinavian metal bands that no one's heard of here. I would like to say I've I like there's this one band called Him, which if you know Bam Margera, Mm -hmm. and all the people of Bam stuff back then, he's he's obsessed with this band. Right. I would like to say that I've I've known about these bands that Bam Margera likes before him. Like he's a total piece of shit, this guy. But (laughs) like like one thing that I've always admired about him was his taste in music and um I played a lot of unique metal bands that no one in the US has heard of. Like I was the first one at the school to play Rammstein on the on the music wow, station. And, on. Yeah. and and no one's heard of them. They think I was playing like some Hitler youth metal band or something. So <laughs> I was I first day on the job I got in a little bit of trouble because I was playing uh, a band that everyone thought was saying like horrendously like, you know, hail Hitler things, but
0: <laughs> Really, Shows it was just, that everybody it, at the college was being racist. Honestly, oh, thinking yeah. yeah. German people it, are just yelling Nazi gibberish.
1: Yeah, it was. It, I got in trouble for that, and but most of the time, like if you actually translate Ramstein songs, it's actually very nice and very like <laughs> positively political, something like that. Um, there's one song where they they translate where if you translate it, it's. Uh, Talking about like the oil crisis and gasoline, and but it sounds like you know, you could put some really offensive shit behind it, and you're like, right. Oh, this is meant this music is meant to promote that, but no, um, I don't know how I got off track here, but no, yeah, no, it's free, free form, but mostly like it, I got I just played a lot of foreign metal bands that no one in the US has heard of. That was the concept of my show, and then I got involved with talk. I mean, I grew up idolizing the likes of Howard Stern, Opie and Anthony, and um. A lot, like my first radio love was actually a man named Chris Booker, and uh, he used to be on K Rock here back in New York. I want to say what the late '90s, early 2000s, and he hosted a show where, if you listen to it, it sounds like Howard Stern with a little bit more PG 13 ish type of Mm -hmm. humor. But it was my exposure to talk radio, and I fell in love with him. I fell in love with the talk radio format, and I listened to it every single day, and. Listening to Howard in the morning, Opie and Anthony afternoon, Booker at night. It was like I was glued to the radio every single moment of every day, and that's all I wanted to do since then. And uh,
2: maybe you'll, maybe you'll know which one this is. Then, when I was younger, I used to listen to talk radio as I was going to sleep, and I don't remember specifically who it was, but they would always have like these sex talks. And it would happen after like ten p.m. And I'd turn on my radio. I'd put it next to my bed. I'd put it on, uh, you know, low, so my parents couldn't Was hear it. Was like so. Loveline or something like that? Maybe. And they w- people would call in and give like their sex experiences. Is it was it love oh, line? Was it something that old like lady
0: that. talking and like explaining to no, them? No, was... I'm
2: thinking of something completely different. No, like, there this was, there like was a, like a show called yeah.
1: Love Line where they uh-huh. had a sex therapist host a show and you get to talk about your your love life with her or okay. something like that, like Dr. Ruth or something like that. It was like an 80, she was 90 year old woman hosting it. it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but they, but yeah, I grew up listening to. When I when I first started listening to Howard Stern, I was like, "How the hell is he getting away with all this on the radio?" Right. Like, this is the coolest guy I ever heard in my life. And then, then I started listening to Opie and Anthony, and I was hearing Opie, Anthony, and comic Jim Norton talk about a lot of things that Howard Howard was doing. But then, when I found out that Howard, like all this, the whole story of Howard going behind the scenes and banning people from talking about him, it's like, mm-hmm. as a free speech advocate and any mm-hmm. and like someone who wants to really get involved with like. Uh, protecting the First Amendment, hearing Howard ta- like ban people from talking about Shitty. him, I'm like, dude, like what a bitch move, man! Yeah. Like, this is the guy that many people grew up idolizing. Here you are, just like literally censoring anyone from talking about you. It's just, it's, it's, it, it's, it was a real like heartbreaking moment for me.
0: Mm-hmm. It, it's effed up, I agree, and I totally think that First Amendment rights should be respected, and Howard is honestly just being a baby, but it's so in line with his character after, you know, I'm sure after you've watched and listened to his show, he's he's kind of a bitch when it comes to that kind of stuff. He doesn't like being talked about behind his back, you no, know? No, not at all. That, that's not and his... And it's,
1: it's the thing that's serious now, I mean... I. It's – Howard has his entire wing. If you go into – if you ever go into Sirius, if you mm-hmm. go the, the main entrance to the right, the entire half of the building is Howard. And me as an employee, I don't even have access to it. Like really? I, wow. I can't even get in. And there was a whole public incident with Opie before he got fired. Um, he snuck into – and this was on his YouTube page. So, I mean, it's not like I'm saying anything secret here. Mm-hmm. Uh, you go into Opie's YouTube page and there's a video of him walking into Howard's wing of the building with Sherrod Small, the comedian. And he pretended to be an employee there inside Howard's wing and the cleaning lady let him in. And it was just him walking around the building, walking around, excuse me, inside Howard's wing. And that turned into an entire shit storm. Like, wow. I cannot begin to tell you how controversial that was because everyone in Howard's wing was just livid at that. Because they, Howard and Opie have been at each other's throats for literally decades now. Right. And- I'm not saying that that's one of the reasons why Opie was fired, but that's one of the reasons that Sirius was just like at their wits' end with Opie. Like when they got when they fired Anthony, they I saw the the end game. I saw everything that was going on before, Mm. like it was all publicized. Like I'm like, oh, Sirius doesn't want this anymore. They're tired of this. They chose Howard as their guy, and they're put they're bending all on Howard. Right. And you you mess with Howard, that's it. You're done, and you're on the list. Well, Chris Jericho here. You 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 made you made serious <laughs> Yeah. That's
0: that's good stuff. I mean, it's not good stuff, but <laughs> I was going to have you ran into Howard and at a, around Sirius XM when I was an intern
1: in 2014, I I showed up day one bright and early and Howard was just leaving mm-hmm. the day, and he had his army of security following him to his elevator. He has his own private elevator, by the way. So Wait, what year is this, by
0: the way? When did you start? 2014, Two, summer okay. 2014. When and, did he um, do the cleanup? When did he, like, half his staff is gone now that weren't there. Like, is Sal and Brian and all those guys there anymore? For the most part, a lot of this staff is still there. Uh, I know Gary's still there. Gary's okay. an amazing guy. Like, mm-hmm. if, if
1: you ever get a chance to talk to him and pick his brain, he's he's a really nice guy. Um. But Howard was leaving for the day and he saw like new he he's like a shark. He smelt new blood because all of us were wearing our ID tags, like, mm. hi, my name is whatever. <laughs> and he introduced himself to the interns, which according to someone I someone else I talked to, like, he never does this anymore. Mm. Like he never like greets interns. That he doesn't need to greet unless you specifically work for him. But he greeted everybody, shook nice. everyone's hand, and was like, Welcome to Sirius. Uh, you know, hope you guys do do great. And he went off. So for the briefs, I never get starstruck. I mm-hmm. never get that you know like oh my god oh my god oh my god i never get that anxiety but sh- shaking his hand and saying and having him speak directly to me i was like oh my god it's like jesus just came rose from the dead and <laughs> talked to me it was that and i want to say the only other time at Sears where i ever honest to god got starstruck was when i met Mick Fleetwood. Even that was just a couple of weeks ago. Goddamn, dude. For for those of you younglings who don't know who Mick Fleetwood is, uh, just research Fleetwood Mac and listen to Rumors, and you'll fall in love in a heartbeat. One of but, the best albums of all time. N- not one of the. Um, <laughs> but Mick Fleetwood was there promoting his memoir book and doing a town hall. Um, town halls, A town hall series is like if they, they invite a guest to come in and they have usually a live studio audience and they pre-tape an interview. So... Mick was doing there promoting his memoirs and a uh, town hall. And um, I was getting my morning coffee and I saw him in the kitchen. I immediately recognized him because he's first off a million feet high and he has that recognizable ponytail. So I'm like, oh my, holy shit, it's Mick Fleetwood. And being like a Fleetwood Mac and music fan, I was like, oh dear, sweet Jesus. Like this is, this is the guy. Like this is a rock God right in front of me. So as I'm getting my tea... I look, I I do my best to not look like a creepy stalker. Like I know who he is, and he he knows he knows that I know who he is. So we kind of just lock eyes briefly, and I just want to. And I said to him, Mick, I just want to say I'm a big fan. You know, I grew up, my my mother introduced me to your music. And I just want to say, and I total totally fanboy. I was like, Rumors is the greatest album of all time. Like, I love it. I listen to it <laughs> at least at, once a day. And he just smiled. Because, like, it, here's a fat guy telling him that, like, he worships his music. If I was, like, some hot young chick, I, I'm sure he would have uh, been, like, a little reaction. nicer. But uh, he just smiled, nodded, and said, hey, thanks, man. Tapped me on the shoulder and walked mm-hmm. away. I was like, oh, my God. You I know get that get autograph? Just, no. Oh, That's oh, one weird. thing at, at uh serious like i i meet all these people mm-hmm. and i like sh- like handshake say hello be nice and be courteous but no no bueno with, with pictures and and for and, uh, photo and uh, photos unless they're specifically for my channel that's that's like sort of an unsung rule at Sirius, unless the guest is specifically your channel like you don't interfere with other people's business like Green Day was over there. I got to shake hands with Billy Joe Armstrong and talk to him. I shared an elevator ride down with them. Nice. They were coming in for Howard's show one night and they did sound check the night before and I was just leaving and I was totally I was not done with my work yet, but I saw them running for going for the elevator so mm-hmm. I'm like, "Oh my god, this is my one chance to meet them." So, I ran out of my office, shared the elevator with them and um I was like, "I grew up with you guys" and just totally fanboyed. Yeah. You know, you guys, your music helped guide me through like my childhood and whatnot. And Mike Durant without missing a beat was like way to make us fucking feel old. So that was <laughs> that was good. And uh, made me feel a little bit, made me feel a little rude saying, pointing out like, hey, you guys are old as shit now. Right. But uh, meeting Green Day was probably another one of my most favorite moments. But the, the best moment of meeting celebrities by far is when Channing Tatum was in studio and he, Jonah Hill was with him. And this is when they were promoting uh 22 jump street Mm -hmm. and uh channing tatum uh, look channing tatum is the most beautiful man i've ever seen in my life damn uh he was just recently taught by cristiano ronaldo from real madrid he was in just the other day and like ronaldo was wearing a suit so tight you can literally see his abs in his suit jacket and he was just i had to do a triple take like I'm not gay in the any in any sense, but I was looking at Ronaldo and I was like, my goodness, like this is the most beautiful person I've ever seen in my life. Well, sorry I'm to my girlfriend who's listening cat. in the green room, but um, Ronaldo, I was like, I I would and yes, I would literally just like bend down and like, okay, have at it, whatever you want, Ronaldo. You are you are <laughs> oh my God. you are so gorgeous. <laughs> I I would in a heartbeat. But when Channing Tatum was there, I uh, I said to him, you know, I. Not, not to be too personal or anything but like I now know why like my wife wants to leave me free and this is the time I was married and he was like, oh no worries if I was a gay chubby chaser I would totally date you damn so I got Channing Tatum to sort of jokingly hit on me so that was probably or
2: one. maybe seriously hit on you we're not sure sh- we're not sure maybe
1: <laughs> I mean there's rumors that he's bisexual so either way you never it's a good know for it for sure but those are those are some of these celebrity
0: interaction stories that's serious. it's no. it, it, it's a perk of the job and would you say you have a Terrible celebrity interaction story, as opposed to those ones. Not that th- those were bad at all. But. Not
1: at serious, but at conventions, I've inter- I've had a few crazy interactions. Like there was one time where uh, William Shatner was at Comic Con, and, and just I waited online. Star Trek. By the way, how was Star Trek Discovery? To I you didn't guys? see
0: it. It was very. It's hit uh, or miss, right? Yeah. Like, the was cr- the main character shit, or was that just me, Michael?
1: It's not. That
0: good. Yeah. Like,
1: I watched the first couple of episodes, and I'm like, yeah, I want to like it. I really mm-hmm. want to. But it's funny when the Orville is a better Star Trek show than Star Trek Discovery. saying
0: the same thing, man. It's got those bright looks, reminds me of TNG a little bit. Right? And you're just it's, like, this is good stuff the right
1: The Orville here. is is the most wonderful love child of Family Guy and the next generation. It's a love letter. I mean – Seth MacFarlane just looks awkward in any live-action shoot that he does. He's not a good actor. I I expect him to voice characters or be the voice of a teddy bear, but anything Seth MacFarlane personally is in, he's just a horrible live-action actor. But the way that the Orville is structured, even my dad, my dad is the biggest Star Trek fan I've ever known in my life, and I even showed him the pilot of the Orville, and he's Mm -hmm. like, yeah, I like this. So, like... Well, I pay attention to the uh, to the fan scores on Rotten Tomatoes, and the fan scores on uh, Star Trek Discovery, garbage. Yeah, I can imagine. And the Orville's like it's it's like a ninety fresh rating on Rotten Tomatoes from from the fans. So I'm like, eh, I'll pay attention to those guys, definitely more than the critics.
0: I'll say that the Orville, it wasn't like a ten out of ten hit for me, but it was definitely it was an enjoyable show to watch. There were some jokes that fell a little flat, but I was like, this is fun. Like I'll watch more episodes of this. You right. Know? And it was a good-looking sh- – I mean, I was just – the production of it was awesome. That was what really – I was like, why can't Discovery – like, Discovery is really going for that verse? you know, that J.J. J. Abrams, like, Star Trek look. They have a lot of those cinematic angles while they're shooting. It, and like, the production
1: like, value is amazing. It's it just, is. It, you
0: just With
1: anything in visual, like, with anything in, in film, TV, like, you can visually make it amazing and you can make it sound amazing. Like, as an audio engineer, you can make things sound amazing. But if it's shit, it's shit. shit. like shit. Like – it's a, it's a thing like good musician. Meikle's Speaking good performance.
2: of, uh, if it's shit, it's shit. Did you get to see, um, in humans at all?
0: I did not get to see it yet. Are you interested meaning, in it at all? I've been meaning to watch it and you could s- totally spoil it for me. I don't care. I don't want to spoil it for you, but I'll say that the production of it is legitimate garbage. Like it was hot hot garbage. I was, really? Yeah, they were trying to emphasize the IMAX uh, cameras in the first shot and like did these shitty slow-mos of like guns firing and rain droplets hitting, you know, which sounds like the most cliche fucking opening to uh IMAX movie, you know, to show off our cameras. And then from there, like, cuts into the, you know, the opening sequence. And you're like, man, I know this is going to be garbage.
2: Hey, guys, we're going to take a quick little break here and give a big, big thank you to our sponsor, the Blockchain Academy. They let us use their studio and their equipment, and they teach you all about blockchain technology. You can check them out online. They have world-class instructors, and they're going to teach you how to use blockchain. So we just want to say thank you to them again, and let's get back to the show.
1: The last piece of IMAX I saw was actually Dunkirk. Oh wow! And I don't I know see if that you guys yet. have seen Dunkirk no. yet, but I, I like I have very uh, open ways that I will watch. But I don't know how to word that right. I have a very low threshold of, like, what I would be entertained by. Like, if it involves space shit, I'll go see it. Anything involving space I'll and NASA, them. I'll go see. If it involves World War II, I will immediately see it, even if I hate it. And if it involves, like, guns and explosions, like, I'll go see it. I'm a very simple guy when it comes to what movies I'm interested in, but uh, I actually spent the extra money to see Dunkirk and IMAX because I'm a big fan of the way Chris Nolan directs his movies and the way he sound mixes everything and the way Hans Zimmer just scores it. And... They're geniuses. They are. I don't say. I don't throw out of that G word a lot, but mm-hmm. the, Chris Nolan and Hans Zimmer are bona fide geniuses. And I saw Dunkirk in IMAX, and it was truly one of the most amazing things I've ever seen in my life. And there's hardly any dialogue. He managed to make an hour and a half long movie with maybe 20 lines of dialogue. Wow. And but you saw like all the 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 fear the. Not sure if you're gonna die that day or not. Like always, like always we- afraid that the Germans are gonna just gonna bombard the beach and storm the beaches. And he managed to make me afraid for these characters in a way that Saving Private Ryan never could. I mean, I saw S- Saving Private Ryan is one of my all time favorite movies, mm-hmm. but it's it's very more character oriented. Like you care about the characters. You don't know. You you learn about their life story and you and you learn what they're in the war for. Dunkirk, it's like. I, look, I know you have a life elsewhere, but I'm afraid that you're going to die on this beach. I'm afraid you're not going to get away from here. I'm afraid you're you're not going to get to safety. And everyone, even even Harry Styles, was like he blew me away with how good he was in this movie. And the, D- Dunkirk was the last movie where I was like, okay, that is a Marvel masterpiece of a movie. Like I don't, I don't, I don't like critiquing movies. I don't like to. Go about like how things are made, the production value of it. But Dunkirk was a movie where I was just like, oh man, like, you have you have a history perfect. though with audio
2: engineering, and yeah. so you are kind of allowed to critique that uh, movie. And I mean, when I go to movies now, I uh, similarly to how you jumped into audio engineering, I jumped into videography. Uh, so I didn't spend a lot of time in it, and I got out of it pretty quickly in about a year. But your uh, your time as an audio engineer allows you to go to those movies and be like you know what this is really nice like this production value is really nice uh and i'd like to know a little bit more about how you started in audio engineering
1: again just like my 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 how i got involved with almost everything in my life is a happy accident like this was going about i want to say 2007 i want to say it like year 3 of my two year program at the county college so um I was mostly just slacking off because I didn't want to do anything other than work at the radio station. Like I took one class a semester, just to say okay, I'm still technically a student, but I still want to be on the radio. And this is before I got into podcasting. This is before I learned about internet radio, internet streaming, and all mm. that stuff. I thought my my ticket to my dream job is to keep making demos and tapes at the college station. So I was still doing that, and then I had a friend's band of mine come into studio. And we interviewed them. They did an acoustic performance. I was like, oh, these songs are really catchy. And these songs are like, you know, I I like them. Like, when's your next album coming out? I would love to do it. And I would love to buy it. And they're like, we actually haven't done it yet. We don't have the money for a studio. Like, can you, can you record our band? And I'm thinking, sure. Why not? How hard can it be? (laughs) And turns out it's, it's really hard. And, I jumped in. I jumped into the world of audio production headfirst into the deep end without learning how to swim, and the first couple of years was rocky. I mean, I just listened to uh, this EP from this band that, that, that I met in 2007. I listened to it for the first time a couple of days ago, and I was like, ooh, oh, boy. It was hot garbage, but oh, the songs were awesome, and the people who bought the album or bought the EP didn't give a shit. They were like – Oh, this song's awesome! Uh, I'm dancing to it. And there was one. There's one song called "Cocaine Smile," and you can guess like these guys were Motley Crue wannabes. Uh-huh. Like um, leather. What? Leather. Oh yeah, Le- leather jackets, leather pants. You know the the basic the like, three chords uh, in their songs and like the the very simple drums that like ACDC's been doing for thirty years. So like this, it's very uh, simplistic musically. Mm-hmm. But the songs were rocking. The songs were fun. And the one song, to get the effect of, like, splitting a line of Coke on a mirror, we actually took powdered sugar into one of my metal mixing bowls and used uh, my driver's license to, like, in front of a microphone to Uh uh, (laughs) cut the line. And he just sniffed right in the microphone. That's how we simulated that. And I was like, it's such a simple, stupid effect, but... When I first did it, I was like, oh, yeah, I can totally do this audio engineering thing. Like, totally (laughs) ignorantly just assuming, like, how hard can it be? Uh And how I got started was just, oh, there's a microphone there. I don't know what it's called. I don't know what what the frequency response is. I don't know how how it's made. Oh, just put it up there. Oh, there's another mic? Just put it here. Mm. Oh, there's a bass? Uh, Let's mic up the amp with this mic here. It was just, oh, there's a microphone? Let's do it. And... Eventually, of course, I got to learning of how these mics work, how the frequencies uh, interact with one another, and my mixes have greatly improved since then. But how I got started was just, hey, let's just do it. If it sounds good, let's do it. You want to make your drums sound good? Cool. Let me just fuck with it. And that's all That's all it is. That's how you learn anything these days. It's just messing with it. Trial and error. Yeah. And these guys became my friends for, I want to say, 10 years. So... Um, learning how to mix with these guys, learning how to record, learning how to produce better. I, I learned how to be a producer without being an, a, a musician. I'm not a trained musician. The, I can't, the, the best drums I can do are maybe medium difficulty on rock band. Like, <laughs> and, but I have, I have what some would call a producer's ear. Like, like let's say if you come in and you play like a melody, a simple melody, mm-hmm. I can hear that and I can add shit to it, but I can't make up that simple melody. I have to, but some people call it producers here. Some people right. call that musicians here. Whatever you want to call it. When
2: you say the shit you're adding to it, it's like sound effects, you know, emphasis, or like playing chords. With... Like, like I can okay. add
1: simple chords. to so like, if you say, oh, I, like you're in the key of C. So if you like, if you're playing this and this, I can add a, I can add an octave up a C chord here, and that that'll do good. Like something like that. Um, or I could just say, hey, you play da 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 da. Why don't you go an octave lower, da 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 da, and just do that? And mm. that's how I end up producing that's how i produced a lot of uh records with this one band and i know some people listen to us like i'm a producer for 30 years how the hell do how the hell does this kid do it like it's really just if it sounds good do it yeah that's, it's a very simple philosophy i have just 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 if it sounds
2: good do it that's, a, that's almost like you're you're taking a step off the cliff and you're just trusting that when you're falling, you'll, you'll eventually fly. If
1: Yeah, if a musician plays something and it sounds like shit, I'm like, oh, that's not going to work here. Mm-hmm. Oh, I like this lead and, he, and the guy's wailing away on his guitars, like, that doesn't work here. Like, it may musically make sense on paper, it might make sense, but it doesn't sound good to the ear. And that's the most important thing. Everyone who listens to an album is not going to listen to what key it's in or how the drum fills like musically are in time to something. They're like does it sound good? Yeah, okay, cool. I'm going to listen to it. If it doesn't sound good, now nah, I'm going to throw it away. That's that's the that is your customer. God, I mix and produce to. from the customer's perspective. I mix from the listener's perspective. Oh, uh you you're you're tuned to drop D or whatever or whatever the heck you guitar players do. Mm-hmm. Um <laughs> Does it sound good? Yeah, it sounds cool. Let me mix it and and mic the amp a certain way to make that tune sound awesome. That's my job as an engineer, and my job as a producer is to hear what you're playing. Let me hear what you have, and maybe I can make suggestions of how to improve that to make it catchier. There was a one song with one of Ori's old bands where we were playing a song, and they were, they were trying to figure out how to make a chorus work, like how to make like, a verse work. And through the magic of Herbal Essences, we... No way. We, we put a lot of like crazy delays and reverbs on, on one of the guy's guitars. And I forget who threw it out, but one of us, I think, I think it may have been me or Ori, threw out like, okay, the bass is doing this, and why don't you do this with this delay on this amp and this mic setting or whatever... And that's how we got the verse guitar settings. Like, it's really, honestly, like, I'm rambling here, but it's just, it's trial and error, guys. Yeah, It's all yeah. it is. All, you go to these million-dollar studios, you go to these million, like, these producers who are worth billions of dollars, and they, they throw themselves at you like they're geniuses, and they're the reasons why Pink Floyd's albums went, like, quadruple platinum or whatever. It's really just trial and error. That's why I love George Martin so much, a.k.a. the fifth Beatle. Like, a lot of what the Beatles did back then was just trial and error- and experimenting of how to invent how modern music's made and i mean i will i am a total shill for the beatles of what they did musically and but i'm more of a shill of george martin and and the studios that they worked at back then because they figured out ways to reinvent how music is made and we still use those techniques with hardware gear plugins we use those techniques today because of what the beatles did in the studio sessions
2: so, how did you make the transfer from the radio station to your podcast? Which was uh, what was the first podcast you had?
0: The
1: very first podcast I did was something called the Mike and Hammy Show. Very original name. <laughs> um, it, it was really just our first, our first talk show on the college radio station was called the Highlight Reel, and uh, totally stole it from Chris Jericho, by the way. And we were basically horrible ripoffs of saturday night live we always wrote skits we we tried to be as funny as we could and the one thing that 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 took off with and with the two people that listened to our show was this one guy did a brilliant sergeant hartman impression so we always did celebrity jeopardy which again total hack job here guys <laughs> uh we did celebrity jeopardy almost every episode because it's the one thing that was funny <laughs> to us that's the one thing that was funny to callers and sergeant hartman always was the star of the show uh, like, like the one guy who's the guy that did the Sean Connery impression, I like, the name just uh, left my head.
0: Norm McDonald was that him doing? It? Oh, no, it wasn't. Oh, he did it once on the comeback, but he wasn't the original guy. Uh, um, uh, the name just know, left my sorry. head. Like, the, the, guy
1: who, the guy who did sh- the, the, the
0: your mom's box back. Like, yeah, yeah, like no, I know guy. who you're talking about. The original so, celebrity, Jeopardy we had man.
1: that guy, we had our Sean Connery, and this guy uh-huh. in Steve's Sergeant Hartman impression, and Eventually it got old and the, everyone went, went their separate ways, but I was really like into it. Like I mm-hmm. wanted to make it work. I'm like, yeah, this show sucks. Like this is total garbage, but I want to make it work. So one of my best friends, Mike, stuck with me and we formed our own show. It was just me and him. We And you know we had that moment like Howard Stern had in private parts where we were like, you know, if we're gonna do this, let's just talk about our lives like let's not try to pretend something pretend like we're something we're not. let's mm-hmm. just let's just talk about our personal lives. Hey, I'm dating a girl and I haven't gotten laid in three months. What the hell's the matter with that? Give me your calls and we just did that and it took off. it took we we did it for eight years almost and Damn, on what platform are you guys doing this on internet? Yeah, just posting it. I knew from day one when we first started doing internet radio, and this is when Sirius was just starting to pick up Steam 2, Sirius, and XM before they merged. Um, Podcasting is – I've been saying since day one that podcasting is the future, and now it's finally starting to take off with these amazing devices that we all carry in our pockets all day. Nothing beats the – excuse me, nothing beats the – Convenience of oh, there's a new podcast, download and you can stream Bluetooth in your car. It's That's complete awesome. on demand streaming. I'm like, this is gonna be the new standard. Nothing's ever gonna compete with this. And we day one, we were just talking about our personal lives, streaming online, po- posting on-demand on SoundCloud immediately after the show. Hey, you, you like us, check out our SoundCloud profile. Oh, you like us, check out us out on iTunes. Uh Google Play now just recently a couple of years ago added podcasts to their Google Play Store. Right. So we had a couple name changes from the Mike and Hammy show. We we renamed ourselves, rebranded a couple of times. Um and we disbanded because and it's just one thing that everyone eventually, every partner, every working relationship deals with, and that's you guys change mentally. And I was still at the mental state of, hey, let's let's be like I don't want to say, like, the frat boy stage. I don't want to say, like, oh, like... Party kind of stage. I was still at the stage where, you know, I can watch It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia or South Park and still laugh my ass off at that. And to this day, that's... They're funny shows. If if people want to make me belly laugh, I watch that. But but Mike grew separately. He was getting a little more serious with his, Mm -hmm. with what he found funny and what he found... Because he's an aspiring stand-up comic, too. And politically... You know, I don't want to. I definitely don't want to get into the political discussion here. But he leaned more left than I do, and I leaned definitely more right than he did. And through that, when we talked about the a story where we could just like, you know, screw the political angle. Let's just make fun of the stupidness of the story. Mm -hmm. Like, like the one, like there was one story where a woman drove her truck into Walmart because you know, screw Obama or something like that. Some stupid story. Jesus, yeah. And. Before we saw that story, we would just be like, okay, we are gonna destroy this woman right. and just call her an idiot because
0: obviously some kind of nut job.
1: But it turned into a thing where I threw out an obvious, obvious joke at the Democrats' expense. He started taking it as, okay, I'm really attacking the Democrats on this, and then it turned into serious tension. And on the show, on the show, yeah, on the day. air, and and off the air too. Like when we took our breaks and when we stopped taping, it used to be, okay, that was great. Let's, let's retape this. Let's, let's do it this way. Let's try that again, but go this way. Or dude, that line was amazing To Yeah, that was okay. You want to keep going? And at that point I was like, it's done. We had, we had a good eight year run and that was, that was really heartbreaking, honestly. Like a, we're still friends. We still do a podcast today now, but we de- we do not any go anywhere near what we used to go to. Now we just focus on pro wrestling cuz a-, a common bond between us is we love pro wrestling and that's what we do now. We don't go back to what we used to do, but we love pro wrestling and we love talking about it. So here we are, pro wrestling. Oh Wow, it brings everybody together.
0: Isn't Donald Trump like the WWE champion or something? <laughs> Great, he's the greatest heel of all time. The he's, greatest heel of all he's time. He's the
1: greatest. Like, how can someone put Very on hateable, that kind so. of an act and put that kind of an angle together mm-hmm. and become the president of the United States? Like, he, like, you can't make this up. And it's to the point where even uh, Matt and Trey of South Park uh, was, the, someone asked him, hey, are you guys going to continue to make fun of Trump every week? we can't top what he's already been doing. Like, that's <laughs> when I knew something was really serious with this. Like yeah. when Matt and Trey are like, dude, like even we can't top this shit. Like, Oh, may, like Any, anyone, no matter where you lean, you got to look kind of, you got to look at that and be like, Oh, maybe they have a point when South Park can even make fun of them. But yeah, Trump is the greatest heel in the history of life. How <laughs> someone can say, the things he says and generate that kind of reaction that Vince man is drooling at this. Like Pretty I sure. wish my heels can get as, as much heat as Trump gets. Um, but I, I, to get through life these days, I think of everything as a pro wrestling angle. Like anytime <laughs> someone says something ridiculous, I'm like, Oh, I can just hear like the booze and the cheers from this person. And like, Oh, I wish someone would just come in and just whack him with a chair. Like that. <laughs> it's like everything devolves to pro wrestling in my book. now. <laughs>
0: Just imagining those crowd reactions to your life. Oh, everything would... No, crickets would be the reaction of my (laughs) life. (laughs) Crickets, nothing. Gotcha. So between working on the show with your friend who now you're working, is the only podcast you're doing now about pro wrestling?
1: That is the only thing I am actively doing now. Gotcha. um, I I, I still freelance audio production. I still am working at Sirius, and I... Every week, every Wednesday, we broadcast um, live on YouTube. We Well, I'm in the process of moving, so we're probably going to take a couple weeks to just regroup and mm-hmm. while I get settled in my new place. But um, uh, we we go live every Wednesday night, uh, video format. And that's another thing that I noticed. Video is absolutely king over audio. I mean, I'm an audio guy. I've worked with audio and music, uh, music and bands. Video is the way to go. Right. And... People want to watch video because they want to be simulated through their ears and their eyes. They want to see you. And um, not not to say that no one wants to see this beautiful face on on YouTube every Wednesday, but uh, they see us talking, they see us interacting, they see our genuine facial reactions, and they see the clips that we – because I uh, crop out a section of my screen, and I use that to play whatever video or or visual clip that Mm -hmm. we're talking about so people can say, oh, that's what they're talking about, and you can just follow us on the show – uh, I learned how to video edit. I learned how to operate using codecs, and I learned like After Effects, to, just a basic enough to make an intro. Mm-hmm. And through the eyes of of YouTube, like I, you can learn anything in the world on YouTube. It's you know, amazing. You can learn anything. There's some little kid out there that knows more than you do, and you learn from them. I learned how to parallel compress drums through a ten year old Chinese kid in I want to say. Uh, uh, Somewhere not in America, but Uh some 10-year-old Chinese kid showed me how to parallel compress drums uh, a little more than eight years ago. And I'll never forget that. I'm like, why do I want to go back to school? Why do I still want to do this? Oh, because you need that piece of paper to tell the world Uh, that you know something. Fucking bullshit, man.
0: Felt the same way after college, let me tell you. But uh, it, first of all, yes, to the ten-year-old foreign kids on the other side of the world being so much better than you know, at everything. I mean, you go on. I remember I was trying to learn some certain guitar song, and you're seeing freaking kids half my age shredding and just destroying. You're like, I, I Dude, quit life. I quit what life. What the hell?
1: Like, I'm I'm trying to learn how to play a guitar now I'm trying I'm, I'm trying to figure out the chords I mean my, my I have like I have trump fingers like I have really short <laughs> fingers so it's tough <clears throat> for me if I'm meant to play anything I am meant to play a bass but mm-hmm. I don't have a bass so I want to learn a guitar and I'm trying to figure out the chords figure out something out and just when I just when I think I finally got something I look on YouTube and there's a kid just going Ble까요? like you're you're five. You're like, I can still see you're still in diapers. Like, how are you doing Unreal. this?
0: I quit life. I just yeah. don't want to do this anymore. It hurts. It hurts. I, I know the feeling. Uh, I, I have a question, though. So, you've seen us. We've been here for like 45 minutes or so. And uh, you, as a veteran podcaster, mm. I'm sure you have maybe some tips you could uh, pass along our way, maybe give us some ideas it's... besides going to video, which we hopefully plan to do. Yeah, uh-huh.
1: I'm not, I don't want to give you guys advice. I mean, uh, but if anyone wants to get started, podcasting if anyone wants to tell us to about
0: just... mistakes you've made. How <laughs> about that, that, yeah, let us learn that just... we could avoid.
1: Mistakes mistake number one, assuming that your shit is good. Uh-huh. That like I thought when I first started out mixing, I thought my mixes were the shit. And then I put it in A and B next to next to something else that someone else in a home studio did. And I'm mm-hmm. like, oh my God, I am not I am garbage compared to this. And the greatest mistake anyone could ever make is assuming that their shit doesn't stink. And that's when you get an ego. That's when you get an attitude about yourselves. That's when you burn the bridges with anyone that's ever going to collaborate with you. Assuming that your stuff is the best thing since Howard Stern, you're not. So that is, if you can get over your own self and your own ego, you, you, you have massive amounts of potential. Assuming that you only have one outlet, maximize your your reach. If you stream only on YouTube uh, and you and you're not able to simulcast on on a Facebook page, mm-hmm. broadcast live on YouTube because that's when you get more accurate information. That's where you get more monetization. Facebook doesn't have monetization yet for live video. Go to YouTube, and post a video on Facebook. Maximize your reach. Do anything and all. If 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 a place hosts a podcast, go to it. Mm-hmm. Even if it's somewhere where you're like, eh, really does it really is maybe get us like one listener, one new listener. That one new new listener can have twenty different friends to say, "Hey, I'm sharing a Stitcher link." No one uses Stitcher anymore, but I can share this one Stitcher link, and all their friends will now listen to you and discover you through there. Those are the two biggest pieces of advice I have for anyone wanting to get involved with podcasting. And aside from the obvious, you know, buy good gear, get a good sound, and make sure you're in an environment where you're not, you know, bouncing off the walls and like your sounds not good. Mm-hmm. Um, the most important thing though, is to just know that you suck, know that you are not good and strive to always get better. Even when you say, even when to this day, when Mike and I and our other host, John, when we host a show and when we do a show and, and we belly laugh the whole time and we, we, I know it was a good show.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Even when I listen back to it, I always notice something that I did. I know it's something Mike did. I know, I know something John did. Um, even just something little like I, you see me. Even though I'm typing and f- like planning the show, producing the show as we're live, I, I'm typing notes to Mike. I'm typing notes to John, and I'm, you know, focused on the stream, making sure the stream's online. Every every episode, I look at something that I do. Always try to improve a tiny little thing, even if it's something as simple as not sh- not smiling. Mm-hmm. Even something if you're on video, especially if 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 you look like you're about to yawn. Look off camera, get off camera, yawn and come back. Like something so little because of listener can look at you yawning, especially since we go live at like 11 o'clock at night. Sometimes we're all tired. We all got a job to go to in the morning. Mm -hmm. Once in a while, I'll yawn. And then I look at that like, oh, if I'm a listener and this guy's yawning on his own show, what the fuck is that? Like, why should I continue when this guy's yawning on his own show? And just get good at basic editing just get Adobe cloud. The Adobe audition cloud is 20 bucks a month. You have no excuse to not get an extremely amazing piece of software. Learn Adobe audition, learn basics of editing and just learn how to better improve yourself. And if you want to get involved with home studios, it's same, same situation applies. Gear doesn't matter. That's one thing I have told any person who has ever asked me about audio production gear doesn't matter if you have a million dollar studio with racks upon racks of vintage compressors gear eqs and all that sure you have the tools but your ear is the most important thing in the world your ear is what's going to determine whether it sounds good or it doesn't sound good and also working with quality musicians if you if a musician plays like shit, the microphones don't lie. If a mm-hmm. musician plays like shit, it's going to be recorded as shit, and your final product's going to be shit.
0: Chris has recorded me before,
1: and we found out it sounds like shit. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, the the, be, the biggest piece of advice I have for anyone is to just not get too far ahead of themselves, because that's just going to destroy your career before it even has the potential to take off.
0: Thank you.
2: I yeah, th- that's that's some really great advice, yeah. uh, and it sounds like you you. We have a a running theme of, uh, you know, keeping in a student mindset. And if you think you're like, shit, there's always room to improve. There's always room to grow. And, you know, like you were saying, you know, be a little bit better every time. Uh, You know, learn from your mistakes. And that's so important in the evolution of, you know, you were in radio and then you're going into podcasting. You have now a video blog. I mean, can I call it that? You could call it that.
1: I mean, I do. I'm starting to get a lot of more
2: video going on my personal
1: channel, YouTube slash Media. For a cheap plug, um, I'm trying <laughs> to get a couple of things going on that. I'm uh, I'm in the process of finalizing a lot of videos, but again, I, I got to go where the money is. I got to I got to give my day job the priority, and right. also it's a day job that I really legit love. So I kind of put a lot of things on the back burner. And that's if I want to add one more piece of advice: stick to a schedule. Uh, maintain a schedule. Prioritize what you want to get released. make sure, if you're a podcast, you need to have a new episode out every week, regardless. Even if it's a best of, even if it's a pre-taped something, right? Have new content on a schedule, and um,
2: that way your listeners as well yeah. are always right on there with yep. you.
1: And and you learn how to use social media. Even even if you hate Twitter and Facebook, like I like I despise social media because I think like the scum of the earth lives mm. on social media these days, but. That's right. They're the people that are gonna share your show. They're the, they're the people that that are going to get your get the word out there for you.
2: So, the evolution of podcasting, video blogging. Do you think there's gonna be a next step in it? Uh, and I'm specifically speaking about Microsoft's Hololens or the Google Glasses. I'm not sure if you've dabbled with it at all, but the projection of video into whatever you're looking at and you're just wearing glasses like I'm looking at this white wall and now the video that I was watching on YouTube on my laptop is now on the wall where I can just stare off into space.
1: The Google glasses are the greatest invention of people wanting to get punched in the face. Like if I see someone if I see someone looking at me with the Google glasses, I'm going to be like, "If that's filming, like I will rip you it douche. off your face and smash yeah. it." I I I I try as hard as I can not to be that guy that takes photos of every place where I'm at because I just don't. like if you want to see the the if you want to go down to Lower Manhattan and, and look at the 9/11 memorial, go there. Take photos of the memorial. Take photos of the Trade Center. Mm-hmm. Take photos of of yourself and save them for your memories. I I I despise Snapchat. I don't use Snapchat. I barely use my Instagram. And if I use Instagram, it's it's food that I've made. Like I'm I'm that guy that takes photos of their food.
0: The Everybody's foodie. proud of what they cook like, you now. Yeah, it's hard not to this, Yeah, and You're like I,
1: to I I, cooked for nearly eight years before I got involved with, before I even was, uh, b- before I got my first media job, like all through, through chasing the dream of working at Sirius, I was working in restaurants here and there. So like, I, I'm a, I'm a big foodie. Like I love watching, you know, Food Network and trying out new recipes. So I'm that guy. If I use, if I take photos of anything, I take photos of my food um, and my cat. So, but who doesn't like photos of cats? It's so hard not to take photos um, of your
0: cat. But I see people,
1: I see people, there are two kinds of people. There are people who go to concerts and enjoy the concert, and there are people who are on their phones Snapchatting the whole thing. Seems like fucking the majority. I fucking hate the people who who Snapchat concerts. If you're going there, like a friend of mine went to see Roger Waters at Prudential Center just like a week or two ago, and he Snapchat the whole concert. I saw an entire uh, Roger Waters concert. On on my friend's Snapchat and Instagram profile.
0: Like, I have to say, I think that's, like, the most embarrassing thing. Like, you're spending, especially Roger Waters, had it to be a hundred-plus dollar least. ticket. You're sitting at the show. Amazing production. And you're filming the whole fucking thing, watching it through your phone. I mean, you're wasting your time I mean, I want to say that. There. But
1: then again, the one and only time I ever saw Paul McCartney, I filmed a couple of songs. But the, it, again, like, this is probably the one and only time I'm ever going to see a Beatle play live. Right. And, you know... I. I tried my best not to, but a couple of sons. I was like, all right, he's, he's, mean- he's playing live and let die. All right, I need to film this. But for the most part in general, if you go to a place, just enjoy it. Yeah, I enjoy don't like it. people who just take photos of stuff and like, oh, God, need, need to Instagram this. No, just enjoy life.
2: As well as fireworks, I think fireworks are a huge thing. Everyone loves to <laughs> film them, but nobody goes back and watches those videos. Right. The only the only fireworks
1: footage I, I ever really want to watch is people who have drones now. Yes. I love those things. I love drones. They're so Kyle's expensive, and I'll never buy one. But they're so awesome. We, my girlfriend and I, were watching the th- th- this year's fireworks, and there were like five or six drones above us, just flying around, getting footage of of the audience and the fireworks. And then I go on YouTube and I see these beautifully edited videos of firework displays. And that's that's what separates the truly creative people from from people who just Snapchat and post shit. Right. Like these people went out of their way to capture the footage under drones of people watching the fireworks of the fireworks and they put music behind it and nicely edited. It. I'm like, I'm watching something, something that everyone's posted for years, but I'm watching your video because it looks better than everyone else's. So I don't know if it, I'm. I'm basically just jealous. I don't have a drone, and <laughs> a drone.
2: That's fair enough. I mean, the drone that I have is a cheap one. It's like five hundred dollars. I would love to have. Like, yeah,
1: just five hundred dollars. I just yeah, had yeah, no. laying around. To spend Listen, on a when drone. you
2: when you talk about my drone, the parrot, and then you look at something like the DJI, and it's three thousand dollars. There's a huge difference in production yeah. value. Uh, like the the very video content that it records is just so phenomenal. Like. The video from the parrot, you can hear like the, the noise of the propellers, but on like the DJI one, it's like, what the fuck? <laughs> it, it's, it's so amazing. And of course, you know, the drone itself is like some futuristic thing where like it has its uh, legs pointing down almost like a pyramid. And then once it's in the air, the legs go up and then it's an upside down pyramid. And you're like, what is happening? Like, oh my God, it's a Transformer. That's Sounds Yeah, cool like, shit. yeah. you got all of a sudden like the DJI
1: Optimus Prime coming out soon. But like my girlfriend, <laughs> uh, she's a amateur photographer and I got her a night like a basic DSLR for Christmas last year. And to what you're welcome. Um, <laughs> but she right. was taking photos of a drum set I had hooked up in my now former home studio because I'm moving. Um, she took a couple photos of a drum set, and she was like, oh, the light, the light is just not right. Even if I set the ISO up this much, it's just like blah, blah, blah. And she was going on and on about all these camera stands. I'm like, how hard can it be? Just take a photo. Oh, boy. Again, oh boy. Now I now I look into it. Like, oh, there's a reason why this camera costs more than my house. Like, there's a reason why I have to pay five months' rent to buy this camera because it's fucking amazing. And you can take – Technology these days is just amazing. Not to go completely le- make a left turn, but technology these days, like we're sitting in an office right now talking into these microphones and this podcast is going to be posted up online for the whole world to listen to. Like it, t- this is the greatest time of life to live and tomorrow's going to be the best time ever to live. In 10 years from now, that's going to be the best time to live. Technology these days has enabled, honestly, nobodies like me to be able to produce stuff that is extremely high quality, and something that you could only dream of chasing 20 years ago. Like, look at 20 years ago, look at the mid-90s. We didn't have phones, we didn't have drones, we didn't have anything, and if you wanted a cinema-quality product, you had to hire a cinema company to do it for you. Now, you can have your drone, I can go out and spend my next month's rent on a DJI drone, and I can create masterpiece uh, videography, and... Technology days has enabled people to be able to do amazing things, but it's also enabled people who shouldn't be involved in, let's say, the music industry or the video industry, mm-hmm. to be able to create a hit like that. The "Cash Me Outside" girl is now like the number one song on iTunes.
0: Jeez. It,
1: and and I don't know what your copyright policy is, but like in your spare time, play uh, these hoes on, on these your hoes. on your systems. By Bad Barbie, I think her name is. My
0: goodness. That's the 13-year-old chick. That's the Catch Me Outside
1: girl. Oh, my God. Yeah. But the (laughs) technology. There's an amazing documentary called Sound City. I don't know if you guys ever saw that. No. Uh, Dave Grohl, the Foo Fighters, made it about the old Sound City recording studio, which is where like every big band in the 70s, like Fleetwood Mac recorded their their two albums there. Um, Guns N' Roses recorded Appetite there, I think. And Metallica recorded, uh, oh, shit. Not their newest album, the one before before That's that magnetic yeah, yeah yeah they record it there and you look at the discography of this studio and you're like but look how many fucking amazing albums were made here and it's all analog it's all it's it's all no computers nothing you know exactly what you're getting into when you go there and there's a very important message in there that what someone says and digital age the digital age like the digital age of technology you anyone could buy an interface it's 800 bucks uh, for you can spend $2,000 and you can have a st- professional studio quality sound in anything you do. And that's enabled a lot of people who have talent to, to excel in the music industry, but it's also at the cost of all these studios going out of business. And mm-hmm. it's a double edged sword on one hand. I love the fact that I can be cost effective and be able to produce amazing sound in music, but at the same time, you like the studios where you where the, where the only places where you can go to get these sounds. They're now going out of business, and all these amazing talented people are losing their jobs. So, there's a lot of good things about today, and there's a lot of bad things about today. So, I mean, all right, I'll get off my hard horse about that. But
2: well, um, we we hope that uh, you know, with the, the advent of all these new technologies, that maybe some of those talented people do keep their jobs. Just in the sense of like, you know, if you are that skilled, I hope that you continue doing what you love. And you know, help other people and teach other people. Like you've taken the time to come uh, on on our show and and help us. You know, take an insight into the industry as a whole. And uh, we're we're gonna learn from this, no matter what. Well, if
1: you have if you learn from me, like you have very little standards of of education, but
2: (laughs) yeah, we do.
0: No, (laughs) just fucking fucking around. But we did really appreciate having you on our show today, Chris. This was awesome. And
2: we would love for you to you know add whatever plug plugs you want right now and uh let our audience uh be able to contact you in any way possible
1: well you can follow me facebook and twitter even though i shit on it a couple minutes ago (laughs) facebook and twitter Brainstu media uh at that's stu because i want to be cool and have not s e s t e w but stu because motley crew because asshole here (laughs) Brainstu media and my personal twitter is at hams gruber so. Amazing.
0: So you've seen the Die Hard franchise at least,
1: right? Well, also like <laughs> last same Hamill, you know, the, Hams Gruber. The, the, All right, this will be clever. <laughs> I, it was just it was one of those things where it's so funny that it's a throwaway line. Like I'm like I'll just call myself Hams Gruber, and I'll, and everyone laughed at the name. I'm like really that like I think so hard to think of a clever joke right. and, and like like think of setup setup punchline oh and it bombs. But something like stupid as Hams Gruber. P- kicks off and now the listeners of the shows I work on at Sirius are like oh my god this is the greatest name ever alright I'll run with it Yeah, roll. so yeah at, at Brainstew Media and at Hams Gruber
0: thank you Chris
2: thank you Chris uh, well guys thank you for joining us for another episode on Disconnection Podcast where we aim to inform inspire and close the disconnections in your life we'd like to thank our guests for joining us today Chris Hamill, thank you so much, and delivering a unique perspective on a range of topics. Please subscribe, rate, and review our podcast on iTunes and YouTube. My name is Kyle. I've been Ben. And we'll catch you on the next episode of Disconnection.